Sri Damadar Janani by Shivaram Swami Chapter 2 Madhya Shoda attends to her duties. Tadan kam arudam apayayatthanam sneha snutam sasmitam ikshate mukam atriptam usrishtya javanena sayayav Mother Yashoda then embraced Krishna, allowing him to sit down on her lap and began to look upon the face of the Lord with great love and affection. Because of her intense affection, milk was flowing from her breasts. But when she saw that the milk pan on the oven was boiling over, she immediately left her son to take care of the overflowing milk. Although the child was not yet fully satisfied with drinking the milk of his mother's breast. Srimad Bhagavatam 10.9.5 Chapter 2 Madhya Shoda attends to her duties. There was a moment of silence. In that moment, Krishna gauged his mother's reaction and watched as she withdrew from her immersion in thoughts of him, and her consciousness entered once more into the external world. Seated in a bed, tears flowing down his cheeks, Krishna sobbed silently. Spontaneously he looked around, searching for his close friends, but they were absent. Everyone was preparing for Diwali. Looking again to his mother, his heart swelled with love, to see her ride the relentless surf of oceanic love for him. I must get up, stop her churning, and drink the milk of her breast. I must. Thinking in this way, Krishna's hunger for milk rose to his tongue, impelling him to fulfill its need. Suddenly, his wandering eye caught the crystal container of sweets on the nightstand. The tempting Manohar Ladu seemed to say, O little boy, if you're hungry, eat me. And the Kanda next to the Ladu, No, eat me first. But Krishna's hunger for his mother's milk was not just a part of his childhood pastimes. His hunger arose from the special affection he cherished for his mother, affection that was the very bedrock of his childhood pastimes. And in that way, that hunger becomes intolerable for one who is not eaten. Krishna's yearning for his mother's love milk became unbearable due to the unrequited love within him. In ecstasy, he again cried out, Mother! Mother! Since Yashoda could not yet give solace to her child, love, Prema, took it upon itself to do so, saying, Fear not, O Lord! Surely your mother will fill your desire shortly and bring you great bliss. Considering what he had heard, Krishna replied, O essence of pure pleasure, O you who know everything, please hear this. Due to her great love for me, mother is submerged in divine emotions. However, by my pastimes today, I shall bring her far greater pleasure than she has ever known and I am eager to do so. That is why I am crying. I want her to achieve the pinnacle of motherly love. What pastime will you two scale 
that mountain of mutual devotion with something very special. May I know what that special pastime is? Krishna looked around again. He was still alone with Yashoda. It was my heartfelt desire that we be alone so that I can taste the bliss of being bound by my mother's hands and so that she can relish the nectars of doing so. Bound? Yes, I want to feel tied by the ropes of mother's love, helpless and captive. Only then will I know what devotees feel when they are bound to me by love. The ropes I use for tying cow's legs, Niryogapasha, are my ropes of love. O Prema, you know this well. And with those ropes do I tie the hearts of the Rajvasis to the stake of spontaneous service. And with those ropes do I also capture conditioned souls and drag them to this divine abode. But, Krishna paused for a moment, preparing to announce a momentous truth. But, I do not know what is it like to be bound by the ropes of my devotee's love. Prema wondered, How is that? Your heart is not only tied by devotees, but it is their property. You yourself said, Sadavo ridayam mahyam. Krishna stopped crying momentarily and sniffled. That is true, but I want to feel their love, not just with my heart, but with my entire being. Looking back at Queen Yashoda, Krishna added, And I especially want to feel her love. I want to feel it all around my transcendental form, like the air that now surrounds me. Prema asked, But why do you have to be alone to achieve that end? Because I am afraid that someone may interfere with my plans. Who will let me be bound? Do you think Balaram, Sridhama, or even the maids would let mother do that? That is why I encourage my brother to visit our uncle and my friends to busy themselves with Diwali. Oh Lord, I am certainly very eager to see this day's adventures unfold. Krishna concluded, O Prema, I shall depend upon you to manifest extraordinary powers so that mother and I can taste your very essence. Unprecedented ecstatic emotion. Please satisfy me in all respects. Lord, it shall be as you desire. Yashoda continued to churn mechanically, just like one in a magical trance. But the continued swish, swish of the churn did not sit well with Krishna. Climbing down from the bed, still sleepy-eyed and wearing only a copan, he tottered in the direction of his mother. Once, long ago, the demons and the demigods churned the ocean of milk, and from that churning many wonderful beings appeared, like Mahini Murti, Danvantari, and even Lakshmi Devi. But when Yashoda Devi churned yogurt, the most wonderful being, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, appeared. And Krishna's rising was joyfully met by the waiting world. The earth turned butter soft beneath his feet. The morning breeze caressed his limbs. 
and the chirping birds praised his beauty, all of which, along with the festive sounds of Gokul, gladdened his heart as he toddled towards his mother. Krishna's ankle bells tinkled, and out of a need for attention, he again began to softly weep. Finally, Yashoda came to full external consciousness. From the corner of her eyes, Yashoda watched Krishna approach. Eager to relish his moods and movements, she did not greet him, but waited until he stood beside her, stretching his body, rubbing his eyes, and murmuring, Mother! Mother! No response? Upset at being spurned, Krishna grabbed at the folds of Yashoda's sari with his right hand, and leaning forward he caught hold of the churning rod with the left. Oh, my beloved son, you are awake. How wonderful! Queen Yashoda greeted her son with words of kindness, while still pulling the churning rope. Swish! Swish! But Krishna did not want any more. Swish! Swish! Now placing the other hand on the churning rope, he gave up his tears. No! Stop! Stop! But when Yashoda pulled on the rope again, he added, Mother, do not churn! Yashoda stopped and gazed lovingly into her son's tear-streaked but determined face. Still holding on to the churn, he leaned against her breasts, making known his intentions. Yashoda's heart welled up in affection, and milk trickled from her breasts, moistening her other, moistening her upper garment. How charming he is, she thought. To impress upon her the urgency of his want, Krishna tugged again at the churning rope. His effort was not lost on her. Putting down the rope, Yashoda placed her hands under his arms and raised Krishna to her lap gazing for a moment at the indescribable beauty of her son. She drank that beauty through her eyes and was about to nurse him when she stopped and pondered, Why does my son look so different, so beautiful, and in ways I've never seen before? Has he changed in some mysterious way, or is it I who have never really looked upon him so deeply? Why? Unbeknown to Queen Yashoda, love had followed Krishna's orders to create an unprecedented pastime by giving her unique vision with which to explore Krishna's fathomless beauty. So intense and revelatory was Shoda's experience that as she gazed at him, she wondered, Is this really Krishna? Yes, it was him. The power of divine love is such that it reveals Krishna's sweetness, freshness, beauty, and charm in proportion to love's intensity. Thus, by her newly evolved affection, Yashoda was experiencing Krishna in a never-before-seen ways. To Vraja's queen, Krishna's transcendental form was a mysterious, dark creeper of beauty sprouting from a mound of musk and growing skywards where it drank from fresh rain clouds to shower her with sapphire flowers, soft 
as the foam of milk and carrying the fragrance of musk. Blinking to clear her eyes, Yashoda then saw her son to be a puppet made of jewels, his limbs blue sapphires, his lips hands and feet red rubies, his nails pink coral, and his teeth spotless pearls. But when she looked again, it appeared that he was made of blue lotuses scattered with red ashoka, pink java, and white malika flowers. Was he made of gems or flowers? Gently stroking his hair, she saw the curly black locks framing his forehead as a swarm of bumblebees, which, when intoxicated from drinking the nectar of his face, disappeared into the dark night of his hair. Yes, he is made of flowers. Enchanted by these wonders, doubt arose in Yashoda's mind, and she turned Krishna's pinkish souls upwards, noticing their special signs, like the goad, bow, and chakra. What is this? When she examined his hand, she noted other signs of divinity. About to address her son with reverence, she looked into his eyes. Two blue lotus buds growing from a startlingly mysterious depths. Those eyes were made all the more unsettling by the tear-smeared ointment around them, in which countless universes seemed to rise and fall. Her heart trembled in reverential wonder. Who is he? And then it was over. Krishna raised the soft petals of his hands and touched her cheek, sobbing assertively, Mother! And Prema withdrew any feeling of reverence from Yashoda's heart, leaving it full of maternal love. Divine characteristics may ornament my son, but whatever the appearance, he is an ordinary boy born of my womb. She reprimanded herself. Why am I so selfish, enjoying my son instead of serving him? Kissing his sapphire blue cheeks and uttering short cries of loving concern, Yashoda said, Poor thing, my little darling, you must be hungry after sleeping so long. I am very hungry, and I am very angry. As the sound of Krishna's voice created in her ear an echo akin to Vedic mantras, Yashoda smoothed Krishna's hair with her hand. Why are you angry, my dear? Because you are churning butter instead of giving me your milk. Are you very angry with me? Had you not stopped churning, I would have broken the churn. Oh, dear. But, darling, the butter is also meant for you. That may be, but the butter is for later, and I am hungry now. Yashoda Devi marveled. At the cleverness of this little boy, she thought, he is only three, yet he can speak and behave like an adult. Her heart swelled with pride as wave after wave of divine ecstasy swept through her body. Teasing, she replied, Then why are you talking? Why do you not drink? Laying Krishna comfortably on her lap, Yashoda undid her blouse and began to nurse her little son. Krishna did not have to suck, for milk poured spontaneously from his mother's divine breasts, 
like a monsoon downpour from a dark cloud. Yashoda watched Krishna hold her breast with his two lotus hands and listen to the repertoire of sounds of satisfaction. With his hair hanging like a curtain of dark jewels, Krishna was a chataka bird drinking from a rain cloud in the dead of night. Sometimes a little milk would spill from the edge of Krishna's mouth. Sometimes he would spit some out. At those times, Yashoda would smile and wipe the drops from his face with the edge of her veil. When Krishna opened his eyes and saw his mother's benevolent countenance, he also smiled and again the milk spilled. Seeing the mark of Srivatsa and the sign of Lakshmi on his chest, the queen thought that they were milk and tried to wipe them away. But then she recognized them for what they were, and shaking her head, she whispered, You're such a mysterious little boy. It is difficult to describe the transcendental exchange between Yashoda and Krishna. Although resembling a mother breastfeeding her child, it was much, much more than that. Krishna was not just drinking ambrosial milk. He was also drinking the liquid form of maternal love. And Mother Yashoda was not just breastfeeding him, but pouring the very essence of her heart into him. In the mundane variant of such a relationship, the infant is the recipient and the mother is the benefactor. But in this sacred exchange, the original maternal relationship, Krishna fully reciprocated with Yashoda, giving as much as he was taking, and perhaps even more. What was Krishna giving to Mother Yashoda, and how was he doing it? While touching Yashoda Devi's breast with the devotion that a pujari touches the deity, a current of love passed from son to mother, increasing her bliss immeasurably. And although laying on her lap, Krishna also entered his mother's heart, wherein she not only felt bliss as he was enjoying, but also love for her that he was radiating. As a result, they both became ensnared in a kind of spiritual rivalry in which each spontaneously outdid the other in mutual offerings of ever-ascending love. This contest of love filled the kitchen with auspiciousness, and with its rays it invoked the highest ecstasy in all creatures nearby. Finally, love reached the stage at which both Yashoda and Krishna's hearts melted. And in that condition, they both thought that one could not be without the other for even a fraction of a moment. Yashoda Devi thought, I shall die if I'm ever separated from him. Krishna looked at his mother. How could I ever be without her? Seeing this kind of loving intoxication could obstruct the unfolding of Krishna's Damodar Lila, Prema decided to intervene. Queen Yashoda is truly the mother of the universe because she nurses the shelter of all universes. And yet, for the sake of all beings, I must interrupt her service, lest my Lord's pastimes be hindered. Thus, love's influence on both mother and son gradually subsided and consequently the affection, sneha, 
that was welding them together slackened. Taking her cue from this latest development, the pastime potency turned another leaf in the book of Damodar's transcendental pursuits. To behold the idyllic scene of mother and son, a pair of parrots landed on the terrace balustrade, joining the gathering of a few other birds that arrived earlier. These two were known as Shuka and Shari. They were favorites of Krishna, who would often feed them grapes and pomegranates. Sitting side by side, the two birds craned their necks in an attempt to better see Krishna over Madhyashoda's shoulders. Not satisfied, they flew to a perch inside the balcony that Nanda Maharaj had installed for his son's favorite birds. From their new vantage points, the birds watched Madhya Shoda beaming at her son's smiling face. Perhaps he was smiling because the milk was flowing spontaneously into his mouth, or perhaps because of his hunger it was being assuaged. Perhaps it was both, said Shuka to his spouse. Amplified by the vision of her son's face, enchantment echoed in the queen's mind. Just see how intelligent this boy is. He stopped me from churning, sat himself on my lap, and with the cleverest words prevailed on me to feed him. Just see. As if in agreement, the parrots shook their heads side to side, equally captivated by the cloud blue boy. Then unexpected sounds startled them, and in fear they flapped their wings and screeched. A choir of sound burst through Yashoda's blissful absorption. Emergency! Emergency! Krishna's milk is boiling over! The milk's alarming debut into her thoughts was swiftly followed by its song. The boiling milk crooned glug glug, and rolling to the rim of the pot rumble rumble. It flowed down the sides tss, tss, and it splattered on the stove. In this way, the milk taunted Yashoda with its melody of sounds. O queen, your inept maid put too much wood on the fire. That silly girl, murmured Yashoda, never again. Seeing that the stove had become too hot and the milk pan was clearly boiling over, Yashoda Devi acted quickly. Lifting Krishna from her lap, Yashoda placed him on the floor and rose to her feet. My dear, please watch the churning pot while I look after your milk. It will only be for a moment. And with that, she raced off to the kitchen. Krishna reeled in shock at this sudden turn of events. He watched his departing mother's back and a trail of breast milk she left on the floor. Then feeling hungry and neglected, he bit his lower lip and stamped his feet in anger. After fasting all night, here he was, teased with a few drops of milk and abruptly deprived of more. His stomach was pained with hunger. How frustrating! And it was a double calamity. He was deprived of not only nourishment, but of motherly love. Anger arose within him, and he began to growl like a lion cub. The sound was not accidental. The presiding deity of parental love is Narsingadeva, and that half-lion lord 
was voicing his displeasure in no uncertain terms. Again Krishna stamped his feet, and his hot tears of anger rolled down his cheeks and fell to the ground. The parrots were aghast. How could this be? Shuka turned to Shadi. Why did Mother Yashoda not continue feeding her son and just carry him into the kitchen? Shari replied, Is it not obvious? She was afraid that she would drop him in the process. The other birds present became equally excited, and some considering Mother Yashoda's conduct controversial, others considering it natural. In defense of the queen, a shikuku added, Not only that, to keep the milk from burning, Yashoda had to move quickly, and she would not be able to do so if she was encumbered by her son. But some birds were not satisfied with this answer, and they continued to clamor amongst themselves, some questioning, some defending the queen's actions. Another cuckoo crooned. Although Krishna was only half finished with drinking when Madhya Shoda put him down, considering the urgency of the situation and the risk of dropping him, what else could she do? But Shuka screeched. How can you speak like that? Is it reasonable to abandon one's hungry, emaciated son for a pot of milk? Especially when we are surrounded with Raja's milk-soaked pastures? A sarcastic wagtail added, And is it reasonable that such an act be perpetrated by one who is known as the presiding deity of affectionate mothers? But a group of experienced female birds answered, Please consider... For the least of Vrijvasis, what to speak of Nandanya Shoda, their homes, bodies, relatives, and lives are fully dedicated to Krishna. They consider everything to be his. Similarly, for Yashoda Devi, the milk is meant for Krishna, and therefore she considers it even more important than him. The male birds protested in unison, How can that be? Impossible! A pail of milk is more important than Krishna? But the females calmly continued, Therefore Yashoda attends to her household duties, even at the cost of Krishna's distress. The male birds huddled together to consult. Good-natured Shadi added, Our queen thinks, My boy knows nothing but his body and his home. Therefore I must do my household duties with the same care as I do feeding him. Other females continued, do we not sometimes scold our own offspring out of love? Of course we do. Why? It is in their best interest. Similarly, Madhya Shoda has decided that Krishna's interests will best be served by saving the milk, even at the cost of his being hungry. A female dove swaggered towards the other birds, saying, In that way, Yashoda's Devi's conduct is consistent with her irreproachable love for Krishna. Her mate agreed. She is faultless. Indeed, her conduct is a virtue. How could it be otherwise? Shari added, It is said that the mysteries of love are such that when ladies prepare food, they are sometimes more concerned about their preparation than about the persons who will eat. Concluding on what, would be, concluding on what was being discussed, a wise horned owl spoke from a nearby branch. In other words, Sometimes when confronted with two equally important things, one must attend to the one at the cost of the other.
for a great devotee like Queen Yashoda, the proper intuition how to make such decisions is given to her by the Lord in the heart. How then can she be at fault? However extraordinary her actions may appear to us. Hearing this summary, all the birds concurred on the wise owl's wisdom, and, calming their voices and smoothing their feathers, they turned their attention to baby Krishna as a little songbird chirped. My suspicion is that it is not only extraordinary conduct that Yashoda Devi will display today. What do you mean? asked the others. Call it a feeling that I have, but maybe something I read in the stars before dawn.